For anyone looking for a seat, there's some seats on here on the side. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today we read the Gospel, um, the Gospel reading on the healing of the blind man who was a beggar. And of course, there are, the Gospel is, is, is long and has many um, aspects that we can reflect on. But the part that I wanted to focus on was I guess which started even from the beginning, but when the Pharisees began to interrogate um, the blind man, they, they really began to shame him. It says then they reviled him, and then even when he questioned, why you keep asking me who this man is, and how do you not know who this man is? And then the Pharisees responded and said, you were completely born in sins, and you're teaching us? And then they cast him out. And we find that throughout the whole uh, interaction that the blind man was, was being shamed. And so he was being shamed because of he was seen as someone with great weaknesses. He was identified as the beggar or the one who's blind, the sinner and so forth. So it's shame. And shame is something that we all experience and sometimes when we think about shame, we interchangeably use it. We use the word guilt sometimes. But guilt and shame are different. Guilt is when I become aware that something has come in between myself and another person, but I am also aware that if I don't reconcile this relationship now, then there is a great risk that I, in this relationship. So I go to that person, I try to reconcile with them. And of course, in the context of our relationship with God, we have the sacrament of confession for that. That I come to confession and I'm, it's sort of my, my apology to God. I, I feel guilty that I, you inspired me to do things and I ignore them. That I, I'm so satisfied by my passions that I neglect you. This is what confession is for. And of course, we saw the great example of St. Peter who always ran to Christ confessing when he felt guilty. He always ran to reconcile with Christ. But shame is the opposite. Shame is something that leads to self-isolation. Shame disconnects people. Shame creates separation. It does not urge someone to run to someone to sort of have this reconciliation. And in both cases, we see that, uh, that something of offense happens that doesn't meet the expectation of the other person. So we all do and say and think things. That is, there's a, someone used this analogy of, of shame, which is like uh, a manual trans transmission. A manual car and when we do and say things it's like this is like the gas pedal and then there comes in our lives when there is a brake someone presses the brakes and now there's a stop that occurs and 
the stop can happen in many ways. For the, for the blind man, the gas pedal that occurred was that he was healed of his blindness. And then everyone, the Pharisees, pressed the brakes. But the problem is, is that they didn't press the clutch, right? So what happens when you press the brakes on a manual transition, transmission? Uh, there is this aggressive and uncomfortable stop that occurs. So there's this dramatic stop, and but if the clutch was used, then the clutch would, of course, allow for the car to stop smoothly. What is this clutch? The clutch is an attuned relationship with another person. It's why sometimes if we were, even if it's by accident or inten intentionally, if we were to ever rebuke someone or to say something negative towards, one, towards someone, and then they say, who are you to, to say that to me? Not because, not because you're, you're not of significance, not because what you're saying is not necessarily wrong, but it's that you don't have the clutch to, to effectively lead me or to effectively stop me. Now there becomes this aggressive, this aggressive halt. And so we encounter shame in three, at least three different ways. Self-shame with God, shame that we endure from others, and shame that we cause to others. It is impossible for God to shame His creation. It is impossible for God to shame His creation, and for many reasons. One reason is that God wants to win our love. In the Gospels, we find that Christ had boldness and had no issue with telling people, go and sin no more. Basically saying like, look what your sin led you to, go and stop doing these sins. That's something that, if there's no relationship, be like, who are you to tell me to, to go and sin no more? But that's why he starts off the relationship many times with a miracle. He's first establishing a relationship with his people. He's building a trust. And after that, he didn't hold back. Now, God recognizes that although we should not feel that God is ashamed of us, and again, we can, be, we can feel shame for many reasons. We can feel shame that I'm not, I'm not a good husband, I'm, I'm not a good wife, I'm, I'm not a good parent, I'm not a good child, I'm not a good friend, I'm not a good employee. There are so many things that we can, that each of us has deep down inside of us, things that we are, that we feel shame of. But God recognizes our fra frailty because He knows that even though He doesn't shame us, that sometimes we feel ashamed in front of God. And instead of leading us towards someone, shame causes us to turn back, to put our head down. Shame is condemnation of self. And so instead of us running towards that person, as is done with guilt, Shame requires someone to come to us to save us from isolation. When they threw the blind man out, he wasn't devastated by them doing that. On the contrary, it is likely that the blind man probably would have left anyway out of, out of the shame that he experienced 
he doesn't want to be there. He, want, he probably wants to turn around and, and leave. And so God's representatives himself, themselves threw this man out. And so Christ knew that he experienced shame. And he knows that he's not going to turn back and run towards them. So Christ had to go to him. When we make a mistake, yes, we feel guilty because just as we make, if we make a mistake towards any other person around us, we would want to reconcile with them. But God gives us, that's why God gives us the means to reconcile with him through confession, through the sacraments. And he never desires for us to experience shame even from the beginning of creation. And we see that because God, he covers us, he does not shame us. Shame is, maybe in the secular sense, shame can be considered a feeling or an experience that is part of our everyday portfolio of feelings or issues. But as Christians, shame is the master tool by Satan. It was the first thing that Satan used on humanity and he continues to use this as sort of his big, you know, his, the, the card that he draws. He says to Eve, wow, I guess God doesn't trust you. You've been enjoying your life where you have, you were told that you have the authority to, to name all the animals. You, you now roam the earth and you have authority over all things. You're, you're naming the plants and, and everything. But it turns out you're not so great after all because God doesn't want you to eat of this tree so that you're not as knowledgeable as him. He made her feel ashamed. Like, okay, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not as good as I thought God had made it seem that I was. So, certain, so Satan, he uses, he presses the brake without the clutch, of course. And after that, they didn't run to God. On the contrary, they hid and they felt, felt shame because they were naked. We read in Genesis, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. Then we read, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And then later on it says, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. You know, earlier in the chapter, it said that when they realized that they were naked, they clothed themselves with fig leaves. But look how God then came and said, the fig leaves is not enough. It's not good enough. So he makes them clothed, clothed with of skin and clothed them. Then we read, then the Lord God said, behold, the man has come like one of, has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden. So God cast them from the garden, not because they could no longer dwell there because of their corruption, because they're, they're now ugly and, and all of this stuff. No, he, he says, okay, now we have a problem. There are two trees that are of significance the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And now that they have partaken of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and are not ready for it, now they live, now they live in, in sin, they, now they live in corruption, 
Now, if they eat from the tree of life, they will be in this state forever, eternally. And I can't, I can't take that. Not under my watch. And that's why they were cast out of, out of the Garden of Eden. So was the shame from God? Of course not. And this happens in our relationship with God all the time. We do things for ourselves and God comes and he reveals something better, like he did with Adam and Eve's coverings. We are cast out, but it may be that God is saving us from our troubles, just as he did when he cast them out of the garden. This isn't shame, this is God's participation with us. If I feel shame, that is that I want to distance myself from God, because God looks at me negatively. This is from Satan, this isn't from God. Shame actually is the essence of hell. Shame is, same, shame is the essence of hell. Hell isn't that there's, this, that there's this physical wildfire burning me. Hell is what? Hell is isolation. Just a shame is isolation. Hell is turning my face from God. That's why it burns. And so this is why it is Satan's power. In Hebrews chapter 2 we read, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Therefore, in Romans 5, Therefore, as, though, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, resulting in shame. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. I have a reason to live, because in Christ my nakedness is covered by his image due to his, through his obedience. Sometimes we endure shame, and we start to notice that I begin disintegrating my, myself from relationships, from God, from others, and it might mean that I am experiencing shame. If I'm not dedicating time for, for prayer, for reading God's word, for fasting, for service, for sacrifice, the things that, of course, all of us fall short of doing, we can pray for God to strengthen our confidence that our weakness and our insecurity is not a reason to distrust his love. Sure, we are guilty of falling short, but we should have confidence that he is running to me as much as I desire to run to him. Our goal is to strive every day. And the more that we strive, the more that we are investing in our relationship, the more that I trust in his love, the more that I trust in, uh, in the desire to reconcile with him. That trusting that my weaknesses are not about, and, and, and still, but, but still having my faith, in him, that my weaknesses is not sort of me risking heaven. The striving in our lives and our faith in him already makes us his children. As I mentioned before, that the identity of the, beg of the blind man is that he is a beggar. This, was, this is the people's way of, of describing people, of labeling people. And this was, of course, done by people, they don't know him, they don't they really don't know him. And we saw that they don't know him, that there's no clutch. We saw that there's no clutch when, when they kept saying, in front of him, they're saying, this isn't he. Or he, it's like him, but it's not him, but it's not him. He's saying, it is me. It's me. 
But Jesus, he refers to us differently. He labels us differently. John chapter 15, he calls us his friend. In 2 Corinthians, we're described as his new creation. John chapter 1, we are his children. Romans 8, we are his heirs. 1 Corinthians, we are his sanctified. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we are the members of his body. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we are ambassadors of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, we are his chosen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, we are his adopted. Ephesians 2, we are his workmanship. Philippians 3, we are, his, we are citizens of heaven. That's what God calls us. So part of enduring shame is to remember that my hope in this life is to strive more and more every day according to how God identifies me, how God calls me. One, when I endure shame from others, there are some things that we can look out for. One is that the feeling of shame begins, when shame begins to increase in our lives, we condemn ourselves. And the majority of shame that we experience is not necessarily by outside, outside forces, but it's here. That's why it leads to isolation. That's why, because of the isolation, we begin to shame ourselves more and more. We begin to question our relationship with God more and more. Number two is that shame leads us into believing that we live in a world of scarcity. My job is always at risk. My child's issues will never go away. Everything is a major problem. Everything needs to be resolved now. And then we also begin to condemn others through criticism and judgment. It's no surprise in our society, if you keep, if you, if you keep up with politics in general, you can see that in such an atheistic world that this is how our society is operating. Nothing is ever sufficient enough. Everything is going to fall apart today. If we don't do this now, we're ruined. And if you get in my way because I know what is good, I will cancel you. This is our society today. And it's because without God, I do experience shame. And it should, I should should feel shame when I don't have God in my life. These are the fruits of shame, a life without the clutch. We can try to fight shame by trusting that sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I will deal with my issues today. We can try to fight shame we experience by, by desiring sacrifice, as was spoken of the disciples in Acts when they said they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for we can try to fight shame by building relationships. If shame is the result of missing the attuned relationships with others, then maybe I need to reintegrate myself more into my community. And in the same way that we sometimes, we sometimes mistake by shaming others. And we can do that again by building relationships with others, winning the trust of people, being careful not to project my shame onto others, and trusting in God's economy in our lives. May the Lord's promises be always alive in our hearts. To Him be the glory both now.